Oklahoma State should beat Cincinnati for homecoming this Saturday. But as we've seen in the Big 12 all year, it's not easy. And since he does have some dudes that can make this an interesting proposition. You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you very much for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You can find us visually on YouTube. We're on every single podcasting platform, so make sure you leave us a review out there and find me personally on Twitter at All Day O State. Today, we get to talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats. And as amazing as Oklahoma State has been the last few games, Cincinnati just proved, or they've proven multiple times this year, that they're no slouch, right? Uh, as we talked about last night on the show with uh, OK State Props, Keaton Hargett, they've outproduced five of their last six opponents. They've had more rushing yards than four of their last six opponents. They've held their, their teams defensively under like 5.5 yards of carry pretty pretty consistently. They outgain their opponents through the air quite often, but they still result in losses. See, this is the exact opposite of Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn is also finding ridiculous ways to lose games that have nothing to do um, with football. So maybe he should hire some better people. I don't know. And if he does need to hire some better people, he needs to go to LinkedIn as our sponsor today, LinkedIn Talent Solutions, is number one versus leading competitors. Go there today to post your job for free. So the stars are going to come out in Cincinnati. And here's the deal, guys. You know, everyone in the Big 12 has a pretty decent 22-man roster, right? It's the depth. It's the secondary pieces that, that seem to be an issue. So let's talk about some of their guys, right? You're going to notice from the wide receiver position, they've got a lot of transfers, right? They've got D. Wiggins, transfer from Miami. They've got Xavier Henderson, transfer from Florida. they got Braden Smith, who's also a transfer, I believe, from Virginia. And then Emory Jones, right? He's the same quarterback that we faced a couple years ago, Arizona State. He did put up 223 yards against us, one touchdown, zero picks. He was negative 17 yards rushing. But when you look at some of the film from this season, they use him quite a bit, along with Corey Kiner. Corey Kiner is another transfer that showed up to Cincinnati that I do believe is actually a pretty daggone good running back. Vision seems to be a little bit of an issue at times, but the dude can lower his shoulder. He can hit the hole pretty hard. He goes north and south. He's not typically going east to west and, and making things you know more difficult than necessary. So from an offensive perspective, they've got some guys, and they've got a lot of elite senior leadership up front. You know, I watched an interview with Luca Kandra, their, their starting right guard, and you could just see some of the de dejection in their faces because they're barely losing a lot of these games. So they're in most of these games, including the OU game. And when you talk to OU fans, well, sorry, when you talk to people who do this for a living, 
their assessment of Cincinnati is pretty pretty simplistic. The secondary has a, a lot of issues. Taz Ward is another you know guy that could do some things at the strong safety position, but he typically gets burnt a decent amount. He's top 10 in the conference and fumbles recovered, so that is something to pay attention to. They're Ollie Gordon, they're Kendall Daniels. Right now, they're Nick Martin. The guy on defense that seems to lead the back end for them is Deshaun Pace. Deshaun Pace is top five, I believe, in the Big 12 in tackles. He's top 10 in tackles for loss. He is top 10 in a bunch of defensive categories in the Big 12 because he is that guy. He is that good. He's the one that they absolutely look to. Uh, Jack Dingle seems to be pretty good, right, from a stats perspective. He does pop up. Uh, Daniel Grezayak, probably saying that name wrong. He's he's in the top 15, top 20, and a couple of the Big 12 defensive categories as well. But then we get to get to Eric Phillips. He's a pretty good defensive end. I think he's 6'3", 260. He's got some ability. He's somebody that you're going to have to contain this game. And then on the other side, at defensive end, Another big-time transfer, Juwan Briggs. Juwan Briggs is somebody that they like. They've seen him come along throughout the entirety of the season. He seems to kind of get better and better. Now, they do have a couple of injuries here and there. Well, not more than a couple. They have a decent amount of injuries, which is why they're too deep, I think, has put them in some precarious situations. Jordan Young is a pretty good corner, but can he get beat? Yes. Should he get beat? Yes. We've got the receivers to take the top off of some of these guys. We just don't typically go deep. We're, we've been a dink and duck team, which is absolutely fine, right? That's something that we had been asking for for a long time. One of the deficiencies for Oklahoma State for a long time was offensive line, which is why we went to this quick, get the ball out of your hands in under three seconds type of system that we saw under Brandon Whedon, and it was very effective. you got to have some of the dudes to pull it off, but we do. Obviously, Ollie Gordon, the wide receiver, of course, seems to be pretty underrated. And then it gets to the guy at Cincinnati that everybody seems to be talking about is Dante Corleone. Guys, this nose tackle, six foot three, 320 pounds, he is an absolute problem. Like, I think Justin Kirkland is actually a decent comp here because they're they're pretty similar players. And they do a lot of the same things. Obviously, Justin Kirkland's got a lot more mass on him. But if you look at some of the weight room stuff that Mr. Carleon has been able to put together and then what he did on film against OU, like he dominates. He absolutely destroys. Reminds me a little bit of Siaka Ika from Baylor last year. He's the guy in the middle that you almost have to double team 24-7. And if he eats up both of the A-gaps darn near by himself, that really limits your running game. So this is a battle for heavyweight contention between Cincinnati's defensive line and Ollie Gordon and the offensive line. This is definitely the biggest test likely for the offensive line this season. This is Cincinnati's calling card is their defensive line. So if they can negate the run, which is their objective and try to make you throw, that's I think why you're seeing statistically they give up a lot through the air. It's kind of reminiscent of Oklahoma State, right? We have been so phenomenal recently the last few games of stopping the run that we've hemorrhaged a bit in the back end. But we do get timely turnovers, and we do get big stops on every down but third down. And that's something that keeps the defense consistently engaged. As uh, their coach just recently talked about, 
this is probably the fastest, most athletic defensive back end they've played this season. We know that's accurate. We've been talking about that all daggone year. And you're now seeing some of the depth at safety kind of come through. And then we've got some guys that are in the redshirt department. Here's the deal. Oklahoma State has some injuries, too. You're going to see some guys in this game that you maybe haven't seen much of all year, at least as far as being an instrumental part of the offense. That has me excited. Some of these dudes that are going to play today that are going to still keep their red shirt unless something crazy happens, but it is going to be a little bit of a ha-ha, see what we have waiting in the wings. I'm pretty excited about this one. I'm excited to get in the building, but let's talk about the offensive line and some of the crazy stuff that they have coming up because, again, it is definitely a task for them to try to get this, this, this thing managed from a defensive line perspective. But real quick before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to make us the money, honey. Today, we got to talk to you about prize picks, prizepick.com slash lock on college. Make sure you go there now today. Whenever you're doing the whole betting stuff, right? It's very easy to get lost in the sauce, as they say, of some of the numbers. Prize picks is more simplistic than that. It's not necessarily about the numbers. All you do is you pick two players or six players or somewhere in between, and you don't have to mess with battling all of the other thousands of players, pros, all that crap. It's more than or less than on your two to six player stat projections. And then you just you, you watch the money roll in. You know me. I'm going to bet the over on Ollie Gordon all day, every day. I'm also likely going to take the over on Jalen Warren, and we'll switch to the offensive side of the ball, the wide receiver, and then I, let's see, let's see. Maybe I'll take a Brendan Presley. Maybe I'll take the over on Brendan Presley, and then I'll take the over on Tyreek Hill. You can do that with prize picks, right? And they have weekly promotions, and the best thing is the prize picks reboot policy. Your injuries, Your entries will stay in play if that player – for the NFL game or the CFP top 25 matchup gets injured in the first half and does not return. That player then gets rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy for sports platform with injury insurance. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college. All one word for the first deposit match up to hundred dollars. Again, make sure you do that. Now today go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use a code locked on college for your first deposit match up to $100. Holla. And then, you know, top it all off, if you make a little bit of extra coin from your, your prize picks and then you realize that you've got some things on your rig that need to be a, a little bit tuned in here, make sure you look at eBay Motors. Don't look at eBay Motors. Matter of fact, just go to eBay Motors. They've got the passion, the drive, and the patience that's going to allow you to bring home the W with your rig. They have everything you need to maintain your vehicle to keep it up to peak performance, superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED light kits, whatever. However, you're in it to win it with eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die rig, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed every time or your money back. Because with the eBay Motors, you need to be burning rubber, baby, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive today with ebaymotors.com. Go there now. Eligible items, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available for U.S. customers. Go to ebaymotors.com today. The offensive line. 
you know, we talked uh, multiple times about how this was going to be a big opportunity for Charlie Dickey this year. Because you saw this spring and summer, this is his bread and butter. This is his cup of taters. This is the dag-nab system that he has been designed his whole life to run. He ran it at Kansas State. He's getting to run it now. You're seeing the offensive line not only hold together, but dag-nab it, they look good. They legitimately look good. Jason Brooks is amazing at pulling. Preston Wilson looks like a completely different dude at guard. Joe Mahulski's graded out very, very well the last few weeks. Dalton Cooper is a left tackle. He's not a right tackle. And this is going to be the same thing for him as he, he moves on to the next level. Probably going to be a right tackle to left at the next level. But right here, right now, he's a bona fide certified left tackle. And you know what? He might just be proving me wrong. He might be an NFL caliber left tackle. But the way he's been playing recently, I get it. I'm with you. I got it. But again, this defensive line for Cincinnati is a problem. The statistics do matter in this situation, right? Stats lives matter. And statistically speaking, they don't give up a whole heck of a lot. They're pretty good at stopping the run. It's because of the main guys up front. I think their linebacker core is pretty good. Whenever you have uh, Pace, right? Deshaun Pace is an absolute animal. Deshaun Pace would start at linebacker everywhere in the Big 12, likely most places in the country. So when you have a defensive line with Dante Corleone, man in the middle there, and eating up both of those A-gaps and forcing people into the positions defensively where they have their strength, right, with Jerron Briggs and Eric Phillips. Um, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. So if we can find a way to isolate these guys, now they're very good offensively with their zone blocking scheme. They do a little bit of like a counter trap here and there, but they're an outside zone scheme, and it's taken a little bit of while for the season to kind of progress for Corey Kiner to make it make a little bit more sense. But as they talk about recent interviews, they get it now. The offensive stuff that they've been trying to work on while sprinkling in Emory Jones, um, it, it's turning them into a little bit of a better weapon. Now, they're not as flashy, I would say, as the beginning of the season. They've had to condense some things and make it a little bit more muddy-watered. I think that's probably because of injuries. And again, it took them some time to get this zone blocking scheme, the outside zone blocking kind of figured out. They seem to have got that. They're going to try to stretch you, and they're going to look for cutback lanes. So the backside is always going to be important. The contain, which we've had an issue with, sometimes when a team goes empty on one side of the field and we leave that cornerback all by himself, there's nobody to guard. And I can tell you, it's it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for a cornerback to be all by himself and literally nobody around him or in front of him because you know something is coming to the backside. Right, It might just be something smoke and mirrors to kind of deceive you and get you in the wrong position. But nonetheless, the backside is important. And there's been a decent amount of times, especially our main man, uh, Corey Black, teams to seem to be picking on him. He does lose contain quite a bit. When he's isolated by himself, that's a problem. And as you saw with last game, right, the biggest knock on Corey Black has been the ticky-tacky stuff over the years that he's found a way to get away with. And that does take some skill level. Don't get me wrong. It does take some talent to mix and match with your hands and hand fight with the, the, the receivers and not get caught. But teams are picking on Corey Black. You're seeing DJ Kinney's played a significant amount this year. Cam Smith just got a big pick. And Cam Smith's got the size of a wide receiver. Maybe this is a, a good matchup. I'm not saying I'm out on Corey Black, but teams are clearly picking on him. So they see a deficiency somewhere, and a lot of times it seems to be in contained. And, you know, KU kind of showed if you can get some of Oklahoma State's contained guys, 
cheated a little bit closer to the box, then you're going to have some some ability. So I'm sure that's probably something that they're definitely working on. But again, that defense, the back end is a disaster. Okay? There's going to be opportunities in the back end. But teams have been trying to stop Ollie Gordon. And you can do whatever you want. You can put eight men in the box to stop Ollie Gordon. That's fine. But it's all about numerical advantages and then getting a one-on-one situation. The offensive line, fullbacks, tight ends, they've been doing a very, very, very good job of not only getting a hat on the hat, but they're sealing. And then they're getting to the second level. So Ollie Gordon, the last few games, is not really getting touched till he's already three, four, five yards down the field, which is the, the exact opposite of the first few games of the season. So again, the scheme got better. It got more realistic compared to what they've been working on. The offensive linemen love it. This is Charlie Dickey's wheelhouse, and you're seeing it. So again, this isn't just Ollie Gordon being an absolute savage. Film don't lie. And right now, the O-line ain't lying either. They are playing very good. I I took some heat in the offseason for saying this is the best line we've had since Wick line. So did Mike Gundy. And then again, the, the rotation, I don't think that was the issue. I think the issue was we're running different offenses with three different quarterbacks. That's going to confuse everybody, right? So it doesn't matter if you're mixing and matching the O-line. If you know that the play calling is going to be a little bit different, contingent upon who's going to be at quarterback, there's going to be no opportunity for continuity. I love the progression that, that Alan Bowman's made recently, especially in the last game. But I do think it's ridiculous to think that Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel would not be equally as successful right here, right now, with the offensive line and the running game playing like it is. But Gundy loves his seniority. Gundy loves the the understanding that Alan Bowman has of the system and the defenses. So I'm not disagreeing with Bowman being the guy. I am just saying, though, if the offensive line and running game is going to play this daggone well, I mean, you put Dex Garman there. Put Dax Garman back there. We might be all right. Throw Wes Lunt back there. Or hell, Alex Kate, baby. Because when the offensive line's playing like this, and Ollie Gordon is the dude, it allows Alan Bowman to do his thing, which is read the defense. I do get frustrated with how often he throws it away, but I was looking at the stats the other day. He's only got two picks. Now, he's at the bottom of the conference in touchdowns and, and some of the QBR and the ratings as well, but as we've said a thousand times this offseason, the reason I thought that Garrett Rangel was probably going to be the best option, but he could be because he was the one producing the least amount of turnovers in the summer and the spring. And I viewed this team as like, we need a, we need a, um, an Alex Smith. We need a Trent Dilfer. We don't need a Brandon Whedon. We don't need a Mason Rudolph. We need somebody that will manage the game. So I'll give credit where credit's due. Alan Bowman is probably the best guy for that exact thing right just the management and the decision making and his footwork did get better last game i'm i'm really intrigued to see if that continues this game because for them it's all about stopping the run and this is an opportunity for offensive linemen to show everybody this isn't just you know us getting decent we're gonna take one of the best defensive lines in the big 12 we're going to try to make them look silly. They're going to put seven, eight in the box at times, and they're going to try to disguise it and, and someone kind of, you know, cover three, cover two, cover one. But hopefully, 
this emergence of, of Alan Bowman allows us to see a little bit more through the passing game. They're going to give opportunities, but again, so did West Virginia. And we didn't necessarily need to take advantage of them because the offensive line and Ollie Gordon did their thing. And, dude, guys, I've got to give kudos. I do think that we're not giving Josiah Johnson the ball near enough, but at the beginning of the season, the dude was whiffing on a lot of blocks. He's doing much better, especially at sealing. If his job is to seal the outside guy for us to bounce it to the A-hole, he's doing a phenomenal job at that. And then you're seeing him and Braden Cassidy come across the face, sometimes in motion, sometimes it's a preset, and all we're doing is trying to overload one side of the field to isolate some linebackers. And again, Alan Bowman is really good at diagnosing that stuff. I have been impressed with the last game of Alan Bowman, 100%. I'm happy where we're at right now. Obviously, the buy-in has gotten considerably better. This is America's number one homecoming, the biggest, the baddest, the best. So we're going to treat Cincinnati. But hopefully we treat them like a redheaded stepchild along the way and beat them down a bit. Guys, we were talking a little earlier about making the money, honey, on the prize pick side of things. So now we get to talk about the other side, and that's FanDuel. You already know that with FanDuel, you're going to have the best opportunity right now to get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed off of a $5 holla. That's right, $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose, with FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book, win or lose off of five bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's literally not a better time to get in on the action now. Bet the over, maybe not hammer it, but we're going to get there. The NFL action is absolutely crazy. The spreads, the player props, the over-unders, Heisman, who's going to win the conference? You can do it all at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go there now. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the money-making honey season, whether it be NFL or college, because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. Okay. Yeah, so I was going to do this show when I got to Stillwater, but daughter decided we were going to play hooky today and hang out a little bit this morning before I hit the road. So I figured I would get this out so I don't have to do an episode when I get to Stillwater this evening. I got to meet some people. I'm pretty excited about it. So before I skedaddle on out of here and hit the highway, we're going to talk about uh, my picks in, in the Big 12. And I'll tell you what, guys, I did honestly go back and forth here because I was, I'm still frustrated for, for Houston that they got absolutely screwed. So I almost put Oklahoma State above Texas. Obviously, the boomer gooners down the road who have a really tough test in Lawrence, Kansas coming up with or without Jalen Daniels. If it's with Jalen Daniels, give me, give me the KU uh, money line, baby. But if it's not Jalen Daniels, obviously, I see OU staying undefeated, setting up a pretty epic bedlam. So OU is number one. But we'll start at the bottom. This is why this is a must win. Cincinnati is last place in the conference. And it's not because they don't have some talent to do. It's not because they haven't been close in games. They have. It's just because they find stupid ways, like rookie coaching mistake ways to lose games. That's why they're last place. And right next to them is UCF because it's the same thing. And I'm actually extremely disappointed in Gus Malzahn. 
the recruiting at UCF is better than the recruiting at Oklahoma State right now. Let's just call a spade a spade. It is what it is. But the dude's been in the game for a long time. The dude has a national title. The dude has coached a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Now, it was scam Newton, but nonetheless, he should know when to use timeouts, when not to use timeouts, when to punt, when to kick field goals, when to go for it on fourth down. But he doesn't. He just, he doesn't. So, I know UCF loves having a big-name coach that gets paid 4.2 or whatever it is, million dollars, but he ain't worth his money. He's not worth the money. If you keep losing games by bad decision-making in the fourth quarter, kicking field goals when you shouldn't, punting when you shouldn't, going for it on the uh, on fourth down when you shouldn't, not going for it at times when you should. I don't care about the analytics side of things. Sometimes it's just common daggone sense. If you've only crossed the 50 two times all game and you're in the red zone and you get down to the goal line type of situation, field goal ain't going to work. Nine times out of ten. And that's where UCF's at. All right, uh, Baylor's going to be number 12. Whatever. Like, I talk a lot of crap on Baylor fan base because they suck. They're terrible. They're not exciting. They don't give a crap. They don't show up. They don't fill up the stadium. Cincinnati, you guys don't have a very big stadium, and I've heard amazing things about Nippert, but unless I missed something, when I was watching the, the, your last game, there weren't very many uh, butts in the seats. So Baylor has the same problem as UCF, has the same problem as Cincy, has the same problem as Houston. Houston, you're in the big daggone 12, and you should have beat Texas. You got screwed. You got robbed. You did beat West Virginia when they were cruising, but your fan base also sucks. You can't get enough support, and you're in the conference that you've been dying to get into for years. You finally made it. You're here. You arrived. Your team has some talented dudes. There's guys on the offensive side of the ball that are worth showing up and buying a ticket for Same with Oklahoma State. You don't have to like Oklahoma State to go watch Ollie Gordon, right? You just have to be a fan of football to see great football players. Houston's got some great football players, but they don't play a great brand of football. Partially, in my opinion, it's because the fan support sucks. All right, uh, so Houston's number 10. TCU's number 9. They, their quarterback puts up 400-some-odd yards. Their third string, and you're like, oh, this Hoover guy. Maybe they've been starting the wrong guy all year. And then he lays a complete dud the very next week. So, whatever. TCU, BYU, don't know what to think about you, man. You'll fight. You're hard-nosed. You got you got some dudes. But it's ugly. Like it, it, even, even your wins are just ugly. And now the win against Arkansas looks pretty, no, I wouldn't say pointless, but Arkansas is absolutely terrible. All right, so BYU is number eight. Number seven, West Virginia, the Mountaineers. I still have some some faith in West Virginia to pull a couple upsets here. Um, but, you know, they're kind of middling here. They need a W. We'll see if they get it done this week. Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk, KU at number six. I'm torn here, right? I'm going to root for KU because they're my number two in the conference, right? They're my other boo, my other boo thing. But without Jalen Daniels, I just I don't know that they get it done against OU. And I'm hearing, I'm sure, well, I mean, we're all hearing. So a lot of people are saying Jalen Daniels is ready to go. And then there's a lot of people saying that it's just posturing and he's not even going to touch the field. Who knows? Who really knows? Because you're from KU inside people are saying this same thing. 
You got some people saying that he's he's practicing, he's ready to rock and roll, and then you got some people saying he's just practicing for show and he's not really doing a lot. We shall see. Their brethren in um, the state of Kansas, Sunflower State, uh, K-State, got them at number five. But he, I'm seeing a lot of people put K-State above Oklahoma State. That is dumb. I mean, it's, a, it's Avery Johnson, right? He's good. He's a good little sprinkle that they added. But them adding a quarterback that can run doesn't automatically make them better than the team that not only beat them, but who's now won three in a row and who's now has a dude that's on the top ten of the Heisman list on some places, and he should be on all of them. Um, all right, so I'm K-State at third, fourth, whatever. That's it's ridiculous. They're fifth until they do more. They should beat Houston this week, so maybe that'll help them out. Number four, Iowa State. Playing a real brand of football. Rocco Beck is a decent quarterback. Who'd have thunked it? So, yeah, Iowa State's a four. Oklahoma State, number three, 100%. We're cruising. The buy-in is amazing. I love the, the commitment from Gundy now. And I don't – I you're hearing that Gundy's doing a lot of the script. I've also heard some rumblings about Tim Rattay being much more involved for the first time in his career at Oklahoma State and actually some of the design, play call, and ideas. Don't know if that's 100% true or not. But you've seen two weeks in a row that the offense in the second half was able to find ways to put things together, which was not typical before that, even last year, even parts of the year before. Guys, Casey Dunn, he's just terrible. Right? According to Charles Barkley, he's terrible. And then you got the Shorthorns who uh, got the screw job over Houston at two reluctantly, followed by the Boomer Gooners at one. That's all we're going to have for this one. The next show will be in Stillwater, America, so I won't have my fun backgrounds, but uh, we'll get it cranked out. All right, y'all. About to hit the highway. You know I love you. As always, God bless. Go, folks. See y'all soon. Later, taters.